Welcome back to our faithful listeners. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Book Smitten. I am Kelly J. Baptist, and I am joined with the crew of Heather Shoemaker and Jack Chang. And we are here in September, one of the best months of the year. And yes. <laughs> are you a September birthday, Jack? I'm I'm a November birthday, but you still but claim fall, September. Fall is yeah, fall is my my season. I love it. I love it. So uh, a special day falls in September, and it is Grandparents Day. So we are here, happy, hopeful, and we are very excited to be able to discuss the topic of grandparents, what they mean to us in our lives, and also in literature. And so, Jack, since I know you are working on a manuscript right now that involves grandparents, I'm going to start off with you and kind of tell us a little bit about that um, and what the role of grandparents is in that particular work. Yes, yes, I am working on uh, such a manuscript. I actually just turned in a um, the latest draft of it this week. Yay! Um, Celebrate! And it's been it's been a process. I, I think um, you know, for me, uh, this story about um, my story is about this Chinese American boy whose grandparents are coming to visit him from China for the first time. Um, and they're staying with him for six months. And so that's something that happened to me. Um, uh, you know, when I was in, I believe, middle school, um, my dad's parents um, came and like visited us, visited us for, um, for the first time. And the way that the visas worked, you know, they could stay for six months maximum. And it was like, you know, the first time I'd seen them, you know, not in photographs since mm. uh, we left China. Um, and so I think there's, uh, yeah, there's like a really, to me, th- there's just like sort of this like distance between us um, in that not only, you know, not only the fact that like we hadn't seen each other, but also the fact that like my Chinese wasn't that good and, you know, their English isn't that great. And so there was this like language gap too. Um, and yeah, and it for, for me, it was kind of just this like, realization that it's like I don't really understand my grandparents or like know that much about them uh you know other than through like you know these kind of like family stories um that I'd heard through my parents and so yeah so I I think it can be like the for for me like the introduction of a grandparent or of like a family member that you you know weren't really that connected to um presents some like really in, uh really kind of like interesting not not always conflicts but but scenarios with the grandchildren or grandchild. Mm-hmm. It shakes up your life in a big way. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean anytime that you have the three generations living together in one house or or close by there's there's completely different interactions and especially if you haven't seen them in so long so yeah yeah and i i I think that's that's something that's like very typical in chinese culture where you have you know it's like when um when two people get married they usually move in with um uh the uh with you know with one of one of the um the partners like families and um and i i get asked a lot um at school visits, um, sometimes like kids will ask me, you know, why, and this is about like my last book, Seeing the Cosmos. It's like, why are there so many characters of like different ages in your book? 
And I'm like, <laughs> because that's kind of like what I grew up around. You know, I had those experiences where, you know, we're, yeah, it was just, it's like multiple generations mm. in one place um, living together, you know, often. And so, so yeah, so I think it's a really special kind of experience. I love that question because it shows how removed how how we as a society remove kids from all ages you know they're even within their grades they're often grade segregated by one year and they only yeah. see kids of one age so yeah i love books that are peopled by people of all different ages um particularly so when kelly proposed this topic it made me really think how are grandparents portrayed in young people's literature because the grandparents that pop out to me in books that I've read are the unconventional grandparents. <laughs> so um, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about the ones that are not baking cookies and the ones that aren't, um, you know, welcoming and opening the door and just being that kind of caregiving. But there, there's a series of books that I'm rereading called the Bagthorpes where the grandmother stuck with me um, all my life. <laughs> she, she cheats at bingo. You know, she tells lies. She writes on the walls. She encourages her granddaughter who starts fires in the house. I mean, she is off the wall crazy, and she loves starting arguments with her grown-up son. And so this, as a grandmother, was fascinating to me. And she's hysterical. Um, she's she's a load of fun. These are comedy books, but the whole idea that some grandmothers cheat at the at bingo when they're playing in the bingo hall was really cool to to learn about all different kinds of grandmothers. Yeah, because today's grandparent, um, I think, is a lot more diverse in characteristics. I think fifty, sixty years ago, we had a a, a typical base of grandparents, um, at least in our minds, of what you expected grandparents to be. Um, now, they can be any age. Um, they can have any profession. Um, they can use any kind of language. So it kind of widens the horizon. And the more we see that diversity of portrayal in literature, the more it's going to connect with our young readers, I believe, because you you might not have the I bake cookies, grandma. You might have the I cuss you out, grandma. <laughs> so exactly. Um, I think it's important to even see that. And that reminds me, I haven't read it. It's on my to be read list. Um, Nick Stone's middle grade. I think it's clean getaway. And um, this young man is on an adventure with his grandmother. And it's not your conventional or traditional grandma setting so <laughs> like she's yeah. funky she's spicy and and those those grandparents exist as well so <laughs> absolutely good to, good to see them on the page yeah I think um and maybe some of you felt this too when I was growing up as a kid I didn't feel that the grandparents I typically read about in books really were I could relate to my own and particularly mm. my my grandmother Part of it is even the wording, because all the kids around me, they had either grandmas or nanas or something. I had a granny mm -hmm. because I, she was from British heritage and she was a granny. Nobody else had one of those that I knew. And so one thing I love about um, kids' books is when the culture of the grandparents comes through. So what you were talking about, Jack, in, in your case, that grandparents visiting from China, but the names of what people call their grandparents, uh, you know, all the different uh, names that they have that are not the traditional just grandma in American mm -hmm. culture. And I love dipping into those other cultures when I read a children's book and, and see, oh, 
Halmoni or um, Mima or Nana or what other kinds of names because it brings so much of that cultural side, the cultural traditions with them. So, Jack, your story reminded me, like your personal story that that um, is what you actually experienced, reminds me of Meg Medina's uh, picture book, Mango, Abuela, and Me. And it is kind of the similar thing. Um, the young girl's abuela comes to live with the family and her English isn't that great. And the, the girl main character's Spanish isn't that great. And at first it's like, oh, she's sleeping in my room. We can't even communicate. Um, and then through uh, a bird <laughs> named Mango, they start to be able to communicate with each other as they're learning um, the other language. So the girl is learning some Spanish words with her abuela and abuela is learning some English as well. And I think that's probably one of my favorite grandparent portrayal because um, it's something that happens a lot. A lot of times uh, the grandparent will come stay with the family for whatever reason. And you think about that from the, the kid's perspective, what adjustments does that mean? Either you now have a roommate where you didn't before, or you don't have a room and you've moved into some, a sibling's room now so that that grandparent can have your room. And so that's, that's probably one of my favorite and just making sure that that connection is still there because it's important and it's easy to be lost. Um, with young people and our older generation. But once that bond is there, I think that's how we move forward in a positive way when we have those connections to our grandparents. What that brings to mind is this uh, middle grade novel called The Great Wall of Lucy Wu um, mm -hmm. by Wendy Wan Long Shang. Um, and this is a book that I actually discovered, you know, while I was doing sort of research around my own book to see like what was out there. And it's, you know, it's sort of the story, uh, you know, this similar kind of story where there's a, um, this is technically actually not a grandmother, but a great aunt. So it's the grandmother's sister who like comes, um, you know, to visit from China and like the main character Lucy has to like you know they like literally divide her room in half, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and yeah, I, I think there's you know there's there's this really I, I think in this kind of story, um, the the grandmother or grandparent almost represents as this like uh, represents this sort of agent of change, right? Cause they like come in and they kind of like disturb the, the, you know, what's what the kid and the family sees as their like stable normal. And there's a lot, I think there's like a lot of potential for like comedy there. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. um, I, I think like, yeah, I think that's, that's one, uh, one kind of like role for the grandparent is to, to sort of be that insight, inciting incident that like kicks off the, the events of the story. Um, I also, another title that came to mind is uh, uh, Walk Two Moons, uh, Sharon Creech. Mm -hmm. That's a book where, you know, where the grandparents are actually sort of these kind of like wise elders that, that guide the kid um, through some thing that's happened with their parents, right? A, a lot of times we, we kind of see you know, grandparents come into stories as these like stand-ins for, you know, the parents who, um, you know, who aren't there or who, you know, th there's something that happens that mm -hmm. you kind of like uncover uh, as the story goes on. 
Um, yeah, so th- that was another title that came to uh, came to mind for me in terms of like you know the the different kind of uh, roles that grandparents can play in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that what you're pointing out the the roles of the grandparents. I often see another type is that outsider status, especially if they're not living in the house, even if they are, that the they're not the parents. And they have a little bit different perspective. So this yeah. role of outsider understanding and uh, a little bit more laid back, uh, <laughs> maybe, that, that can see life on the kid's point of view and really help, help the kid through the conflict. And two, two picture books that came to mind with this. One is called Darcy and Gran Don't Like Babies. And so it's a classic storyline where there's a new baby in the family in this picture book. But unlike, you know, a lot of kids have trouble with those frustration and jealousy of the new baby arriving. (laughs) And so the parents are all, oh, you know, nice baby. The grandmother, when uh, Darcy, the main character, says, I don't like babies, Gran says, me neither. And they go off and they do things together and they bond over they don't like babies. However, the grandmother does show the kid that, yeah, we will accept this baby with love in our heart, even though they really don't like babies babies so it's a it, it's a way of um it's really an emo- social emotional understanding book for the the child who's feeling mad about the new arrival to find somebody who at least will understand their feelings and help them accept and and, and get over the new family dynamics uh, and another picture book similar in that outsider role of understanding just providing a totally new perspective is called albert's toothache and this is a book I loved as a child, and I still love it. It's on my bookshelf. It's about a turtle named Albert who says he has a toothache. And his parents and his brothers and sisters, you know, they, they get mad at him because he doesn't have any teeth. So how can he have a toothache? And then the, the grandmother comes in near the end of the book, and she says, you have a toothache. Show me where your tooth hurts. And he points to his toe. And so it's just that, you know, she doesn't spend all her time arguing him out of it. She's just this understanding outsider. And I think, uh, especially when the, in the picture book world, but of course, going up into middle grade, that's often just what kids need is to say, well, you know, tell me about your toothache. Yeah, I love that. I actually want to jot that down to read because it's so true. You said brothers and sisters. So that means um, Albert has siblings and whenever there's a lot of siblings, you might get lost in the sauce sometimes and you might have needs that for a moment get overlooked because your parents are dealing with other children. And I speak from experience because that <laughs> happens so often. And my children's grandparents, who are my parents, um, who we live next door to, have often been the perfect stand in for those moments. Um, so for those moments where I cut my finger and it really hurts or I can't, I need help with my homework or, and I'm all over the place with someone else, they might just slip away and go next door and they come back and I'm like, Oh, what happened to your finger? It's okay. Granddad gave me a bandaid. I was just like, okay, perfect. This is wonderful. (laughs) So I love to see, um, grandparents portrayed in that light because that is what my children are able to experience on a regular basis so i really like it what was the name of that one again albert's toothache albert's toothache and he just needed someone to, to to watch and and ask him that question so he could say this is where the pain is and someone someone could help so that's perfect 
Absolutely. And and in case you're like Kelly and can't get the names of all the books that we mentioned, um, go to the show notes on the podcast. And mm-hmm. our producer, Josie Schneider, she does fantastic show notes and puts down the titles of the books. So if you don't quite have a pen to write it down, um, check out the show notes afterwards. Mm-hmm. Another depiction of grandparents in kids' books, of course, is death. Um, or sometimes um, dementia, or failing and, and slowing down. And that's such an important and huge part of so many childhoods. For some of us, it didn't happen until we were out of the house and older. Uh, but a lot of kids, it's something that happens when they're quite young. And it may be if they never had a pet hamster <laughs> or a, a pet worm or anything, they may not have had a first-hand encounter with death. So this is something that I think kids' books do a good job of, is uh, talking about the grandparents and sometimes including when when it's the end of their lives. I agree. I didn't know if you had um, an example of a book like that, but I have uh, one. It's called Jana and the Kings, and it is by Patricia Smith, illustrated by Aaron Boyd. So it is a picture book. And... This one is is close to my heart because I lost my grandfather, who I was very close to, probably the closest grandparent, uh, the grandparent I was closest to, uh, my mother's father, when I was nine. Mm. And so the main character in this story is around the same age, very close to her grandfather. They have traditions that they do on the weekends. And so when he passes away, um, three of his friends kind of step in to help her deal with the grief. And they're still around and she can go to the barbershop and see them, the three kings on their throne when they get their hair cut. And so that was meaningful to me because that was probably my first experience with a tough loss. Um, mm. That was my buddy. <laughs> mm. And and so seeing that portrayed in the book, although I didn't read it till an adult, it actually took me back to that moment. And there are kids out there who are experiencing that. Um, I had a student the other week who was mad about something um got into it with another student and once we uncovered okay what was said what was this he said something about my granny okay well your granny wouldn't want you fighting and 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 this that and the other what if we called her and blah 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 and then that's when it came out that she had passed away Mm. student got emotional when he said that i can't even see her i didn't even get to say goodbye and so that is why he reacted the way he did because there was a connection there now she's gone um and he's still processing that and still dealing with that. I think books are beautiful ways to help kids um, see their grief through a character's eyes and identify with it um, and then find some hope through the story. Mm-hmm. So that's one that stands out to me, Jenna and the key. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that similar vein, um, a recent title um, is uh, Tay Keller's When You Trap a Tiger, which mm-hmm. won the most recent Newbery Medal. And it's, um, it sort of kind of weaves the, the, these, like, uh, you know, the grandmother's stories about these, like, you know, fantastical tigers um, into um, a kind of, like, uh, you know, it it sort of uses that as the the window or lens for, um, you know, examining this the child's like grief about her grandmother having, I, I believe, it was cancer. Yeah, right? it was. Yeah. yeah, 
and um, and, and sort of her her health getting wor- uh, uh, her health worsening. And so, yeah, so th- that was just like a really kind of like beautifully woven together um, recent example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to mention that one too, and that one deals with a lot of the topics we've talked about because in this case, the family moves in with the grandmother. To help her right. with her with her health yeah, problems, yeah, that's like a nice reversal. <laughs> a reversal. Um, it also deals with um, a family that has, I, I think it's a Korean and white family. So it it's got it's got the grandmother as as the linchpin to the culture and the cultural heritage of the family, and then it also has um, the dying and the and the death. So it's got a lot of those elements. I was thinking another aspect of of grandparents in in kids literature is sometimes in the whole melee of busy adult life the two sets of people that get pushed to the side sometimes as far as what their emotional needs might be are the the children and the older people. Mm-hmm. And one of the books that just uh highlights this beautifully is uh a Judy Bloom classic then again maybe I won't. And in the story, I think it's a 13-year-old main character, but the the family, who's always been sort of lower middle class, strikes it rich and ends up moving to a fancy neighborhood. And the grandmother has always lived with them and cooked and had a meaningful set of responsibilities within the family. But when they, they live in the mansion, they have people that cook for them and so on. And so she has no purpose anymore. She still lives with them, but she shuts herself away in the room. And the 13-year-old is trying to navigate a whole new set of social culture mm-hmm. and uh, friendships and possibly non-friendships. And he and the grandmother have, uh, they're both kind of shunted off to the side in this new world. And they form this bond that is just tear-jerking. Even though the grandmother's sort of a minor character, you see that that type of um, connection, emotional connection between the two generations who are being really ignored as far as what their emotional needs are. I I love that. I I think like very often these you know grandparent characters are are pretty like flat in terms of their mm. their character. You know they're they're. They themselves aren't experiencing any growth throughout the story. They kind of are just this, like you know, mechanism for delivering wisdom to to the child <laughs> character, right? So exactly, I, yeah, I love I love that back and forth interaction where you know the, the grandparents are also these like you know living, breathing characters. As you know, it's like yeah, that's true to life, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when you you know when you have grandchildren, you're you. It's like it's not like you figured everything out. And you don't give um, up your personality. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, and and so, yeah. So I I, I I'm uh, excited to read read that one. I feel like I read it, but it would have been a long, long time ago because that title um, <laughs> definitely triggered yeah. something. And I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, I can see myself going to the library and and getting it. So worth a refresher for sure. Absolutely. And we still want to hear someday the book you're going to write about a family that all lives on one street together, Kelly, and the grandparents and, and the role of that. Um, my, my, in my family, the, um, my husband, his, his father was kind of that they were out in the country. 
and they had one house where the grandparents were, and then the two sons each had a house on each side and raised their kids. And to me, this is unimaginable because my grandparents were scattered all over the country, and it was always a two-day drive or something to get to them. So I've always been fascinated by these little row of houses families. <laughs> so someday I would love to read your fictional account of, of that kind of life. Yeah, I, I will definitely have to come up with it. Um, I think there's beauty and, and benefit in both. I've experienced both, you know, being across the country from my parents. And then there's the excitement and anticipation of a, a visit. You right. Know, so you have that. But then there's the convenience of I'm out of eggs. I don't feel like going to the store. Let me just hop on next door and, and see if they have any. Um, so definitely either way, it's it's a great thing. And that's a great story idea. So I'm going to have to come up with that. All right. I'm, I'm waiting for it. Yes. <laughs> so the last one I just had to throw out there is an unusual portrayal of a grandparent is the 14th goldfish. Hmm. And it's, if I can remember correctly, her grandfather comes back as a middle school kid kind of there's this mm -hmm. scientific magical weird thing that happens and Amazing. and and her grumpy crotchety grandfather turns <laughs> into a middle school kid her age who has to go to school with her and <laughs> and it's a an interesting one does she know that that is yeah her? she figures okay. it out <laughs> so what would your awesome. grandpa be like as a fellow 13 year old wow. and on that note <laughs> <laughs> that's a question man <laughs> Wow. That's good. That's good. Anyone have any other titles that we can share on grandparents? I think we, we are all in agreement that their role is varied, uh, but very meaningful and beneficial to today's family. So we're giving grandparents a shout out today in today's episode. Uh, we know we are past Grandparents Day, but it is never too late to celebrate those special to us so this is kelly j baptist heather shoemaker and jack chain signing off for books written today we want to give special shout out and thanks to our show producer uh josie schneider thank you for the work that you do and then for all our listeners if you could give us a positive rating wherever you subscribe and hear us on the, the podcast we would greatly appreciate it and until next time, we will see you on the bookshelf. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>